probably gone. I would not expect to find it. Housekeeping. I don't know what the hell someone would have a use for a mic stand. You know, like, what are, what are you going to do? Like, take a scrap part? Yeah, scrap. I was going to say scrap. Yeah, I mean, they got... it weighs like 15 pounds. I mean, yeah, okay, great. We can go and get oh, some bro, scrap. Bro, that's like a seven, that's a solid 70 cents they got out of it. <laughs> so stupid, man. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so aside from that, welcome back to the South End Zone, uh, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with my counterpart, Eric Mulher. Eric, I sound like I'm talking through a straw, but we're going to get through it. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm do- doing well. Uh, big week for me last week. I-, I normally don't like overshare my personal goings on uh, on the show, but I will tell you, I had a colonoscopy last week. And, oh, uh, I bring oh, it up as a as a PSA. March is uh, Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. That is the third most common uh, fatal cancer in America. So mm. if you are uh, age forty five, like me, or older, and particularly if you have a, a family history of cancer, like me, I, I urge you to go get screened. Uh, the the it can be a little intimidating. The process itself is not bad. Now, I would tell you the 24 hours leading up to the procedure is. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, don't is, lie to these listeners. No, no. It's fucking terrible, dude. No, the, the, you drink this terrible shit. It's and bad. You cannot it, be it more is, than five feet away from a toilet for 24 solid hours. It, well, it's, it's more like probably like about 12, but it is a mountain of suck. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but one, I mean, once you show up at the hospital, it's, it's smooth sailing. It's, it's good to go from there, but yeah, uh, well, get, get screened. It could save your life. Oh, geez. All right. Well, okay. So aside from, uh, Eric's <laughs> personal life, which we will maybe discuss at a later time, uh, we also have another guest with us today. He is a beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune and he covers Utah football, Josh Newman. Someone who is unencumbered by any emotional attachment. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Hello, Newman. And uh, welcome to the show. I don't know where this show might go after we're talking about colonoscopies, but I can't wait to find out. <laughs> well, no one knows. That's about, the beauty of yeah, it. It's, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Like, you never know, man. It's a shit show. If you listen to the show every week, you know, you, there's always some unexpected stuff that pops it. up. And, uh, you know, whether it's a history lesson or whatever. So looking just surface level, just kind of some 2023 outlook stuff. You know, we know they're coming off back-to-back Pac-12 titles. Me, Myself and Eric have both kind of been high on them and sort of thought they were underrated coming into the last two seasons. And we've both picked them to win the Pac-12 both years and they've uh, covered and we've made us some money. So 2023 outlook, they, you know, flirted with losing some coaches, you know, Cam Rising had a little flirtation with the NFL, but decided to come back. So what's 2023 looking like just on the surface, like spring practice, position battles, you know, some stuff that we might want to take a look at at this time of year for Utah. Spring practice is ongoing right now. You know, I'm actually mm-hmm. sitting in the parking lot as soon as I'm done here. I'm, I'm walking into practice number four. You know, as things are as things are unfolding here, you know, there isn't a whole lot of, like, position battle, depth questions. There's really not a whole lot of that at, at Utah. You know, the last, as you guys alluded to, you know, they've won the Pac-12 each of the last two years. And kind of, like, very quietly, they've done that with, like, pretty young rosters. And a lot of the guys who are, you know, sophomores or, or, or third-year sophomores – for the first title run, right? Those guys are now juniors and seniors, and they've been through this before. A ton of those guys are back at all positions, you know. But the you know the major thing that we're watching here is that Rising is currently 
uh, excuse me, Cam Rising is currently nursing a torn ACL, right? You yeah. know, you know, we know that right now he is not available for spring practice. So the focus, you know, quarterback wise is figuring out who, who your backup is. Uh, and that becomes even more important now because if Rising is not ready to go for the opener on August 31st, you need to be identifying not only who your backup is, but your most viable option behind Rising. And the options behind him are, you know, Bryson Barnes is a is a local kid walk on. He's had a, a flash here and there. He, you know, he played in both Rose Bowls, you know, a capable backup. I don't know that he can be, you know, your long-term starter if rising is not available. And then you have Nate Johnson, who's a true sophomore, you know, crazy athletic kid, dual threat, appeared in four games last year as a true freshman, showed some flashes. And then Brandon Rose is a redshirt freshman who ran your uh, who ran your scout team last year. So that's the major storyline. You know, Rising is out. What does Utah have behind him? And kind of long term, once we get out of spring here, not so much is Rising ready for the opener, but is he ready for the start of camp? And if Rising is not ready for the start of camp, can he show up to camp in time? where they feel comfortable starting him. Now, if the coaching staff and if the pundits like myself believe that this team can end up in the college football playoff, you got to beat Florida in the opener. And you have to beat Baylor in Waco the following week. So, you know, you have to hit the ground running. And if rising if rising is healthy and rising is available, everything is on the table. Anything is possible. If rising is not ready for the opener, I have some reservations about what this Utah team could be at least early in the season, right? You know, the first two or three games. Yeah, but given that they don't have, you know, a, a Hawaii or a Kent State or a FCS school or whatever, weeks one and two, you, you kind of have an idea of what the outlook for the whole season is early on in terms just as far as like, I mean, they they could, if if he can't go, they, they could have their, any playoff aspirations dashed by week two, right? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you know, if you if you think back to last year's opener, you know, uh, at Florida, at the Swamp, right, Utah walked in there ranked number seven, returning pretty much everybody from the year before that won the Pac-12. And that was, you know, objectively, that was the biggest opener in the history of Utah football because if you'd won that game, again, anything was possible. Everything was on the table. You know, they played very soft defensively, which was out of character. You know, Cam Rising, final drive, he takes them down to the six-yard line. And I'm sitting up there in the box thinking, all right, this is going to happen. Like, they're going to punch this in. And uh, he got picked off in the end zone. Very un- uncharacteristically bad throw. And, like, on a dime, the playoff stuff kind of went away. And, you know, they were kind of still in the mix there through September, through er- early October. And then you lose at UCLA. So, the you know, so the playoff stuff, you know, ultimately did die with that second loss. But the point here is if you want to be in the playoff conversation and you want to put yourself in that spot, you might have to run the table at – at at worst, one loss. You got to beat Florida, and you have to beat Baylor. I mean, I mean that's that's as simple as it gets. Yeah, you, you have to win those games if you think you can go to the playoff. Yeah, and we, that's it's a good point. And we've kind of it's Utah for somebody like us, which is an outsider, and who you know we're betters and we bet on college football regularly. We talk about it on our show, and Utah is somebody who we get frustrated with a lot of times because it seems like they might lose games that they shouldn't lose. And, you know, it kind of points to like the, like what are some of the notable players that they have to replace? Because we look at Pac-12 football as pretty soft outside of Utah, because Utah is sort of that hard-nosed last line of, you know, teams that actually try to play some defense in the Pac-12. And so if if you look on that side of the ball, 
Like, what are some of the major holes they need to fill to be able to keep up with the offensive juggernauts like Washington with uh, Michael Penix coming back and USC and those uh, types of offenses? Yeah, you know, so the number one spot there is uh, at cornerback uh, where Clark Phillips the third was a, um, a unanimous All-American last year as a third-year sophomore, uh, a terrific man-to-man, you know, coverage type of kid. Uh, alpha, you know, type of player from the moment he stepped on campus, uh, lived up to all the hype, right? He, he, he was the highest rated recruit in program history. Uh, the kid did everything on, you know, on, on that side of the ball at that position. So uh, Clark Phillips leaves. That's the major hole on defense. Uh, you know, they hit the transfer portal and they got uh, Miles Battle uh, from Ole Miss. He'll be a sixth year kid, you know, played five years at Ole Miss. A lot of snaps, a lot of experience, you know, a lot of experience at the SEC level, you know, high level of college football. You know, look, he, you know, he's here now for spring ball and it's a process, right? You know, you have to come to a new part of the country and get acclimated to, you know, the environment and, you know, the campus and acclimated to new teammates and a new scheme. Look, look, we're sitting here on March 28th. Like if you're asking me, could Miles or, or will Miles Battle fill that spot? Yeah, I think Miles Battle will get there. And, you know, he'll be fine, right? Again, experienced guy, older guy, knows what's expected of him. So that's that's one thing at uh, at cornerback. And then the other thing that comes to mind uh, is linebacker, where Mahmoud Diabate, uh, formerly from the University of Florida, comes in here for his last year. And he was solid, you know, all, all Pac-12, you know, type of season uh, at that Mike linebacker spot. You know, he's gone. How do you feel that? How do you feel that hole? Well, the good news is that there's depth at linebacker. And that's not just now. That's an every year thing at Utah. You know, linebacker depth and defensive depth all over at, at, at all positions. So um, I'm still pretty new to this market. Like I didn't grow up in Utah. I, you know, I showed up here, you know, three years ago. And I remember like one of the first things that, you know, people told me was don't worry about the defense, so to speak, right? Like they have the players, they have yeah. the system. The defensive coordinator, Morgan Scally has been here forever. It's a, it's a system. It's a scheme. You plug and play. So yeah, Mamou Diabate, right? That's a loss, but they'll figure it out. So then jumping back to the other side of the ball, because we do expect the defense to be really solid. Offensively this past year, I'm going to just be quite honest, and I was a little underwhelmed with the year that Tavion Thomas put up. I was really expecting another you know, 1,200-yard season, and didn't happen for whatever reason. He's off to the NFL. We'll see what happens there, because I think he was a little slower at the combine than people were thinking he might be. But when we're looking at 2023 Utah, they got a couple of guys coming back who combined for about 1,100 yards last year. Bernard and Jackson are they are they going to one of those guys going to be kind of the workhorse? Are they going to split duty? You think and kind of one-two punch like they were? Or how's how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation. Like I am a little more skeptical of the running back room here than maybe other members of the media, other you know fans of the program. Look, Jaquindon Jackson was. A quarterback, right? He was the third string quarterback last year. Tavion was having some personal issues, etc. You know, he got suspended, he got sat down. So they went to Jaquindon Jackson, who is, you know, a, he was a superior athlete in high school uh, at Duncanville High School in Texas. You know, a true dual threat, can do it with his legs type of player. They go to Jaquindon Jackson in late September and they ask him, you know, would you be up for a change? Like we're having a depth issue at running back. Do you want to try this out? Right? He, you know, he played some running back very early in his high school career. So it wasn't like totally foreign and he was up for it. So, 
you know, it was kind of, you know, it was touch and go there for a little bit, right? Like you're learning a new position on the fly, but the last three games of the year uh, at Colorado, USC in the Pac-12 championship game and Penn State in the Rose Bowl, Jaquinda Jackson was really, really good in those three games. So now you're talking about, okay, you're coming off that momentum. You know, you know, I have an entire offseason to, you know, work at running back exclusively, learn the scheme, get everything down. So I think the coaching staff is like pretty optimistic about what Jaquinda Jackson could be with a bigger opportunity. Is he going to be a guy that can, you know, carry it 20 times, 22 times? I don't know, but they think he's capable of getting to that point. So beyond Jaquinda Jackson, Makai Bernard, you know, he's like the elder statesman of that room, right? You know, he showed up here in 2019 as a, as a 17-year-old kid fresh out of high school, and he kind of had to wait his turn a little bit because that room is always loaded with guys, kind of like that linebacker situation we were talking about. But Makai Bernard has turned into, you know, a very dependable, reliable, like multi-purpose guy. Like he's he's good out of the backfield. He's good in pass pro. He's easily the best pass catching option out of that backfield. And the fascinating thing about Bernard now is that he did hit the transfer portal and he kind of flirted. And then he decided, well, you know what? You know, that's not for me. I want to come back to Utah. And they welcomed him back. So, yeah, you're, you know, you're looking at a situation with Bernard, who is a proven commodity, and Jaquinda Jackson, who showed some things. They think he could be really good. And then you've got two other guys. Uh, Jalen Glover is a – I, I don't remember if he played four games. I think he's a true sophomore now. He shows some flashes, right? A Florida kid with a huge pedigree. And then Chris Curry, who was an LSU transfer, uh, injured his ankle early last season. He he was out for the year. So you've kind of got this, you know, eclectic running back room of pieces that you think they're all going to fit together. And you think you have three, even four guys that on any given night can do some damage. You know, we'll see. Again, you know, specifically with Jaquinda Jackson, I'm probably a little more skeptical than most other people around here. Hmm. Well, then sticking with offensive skill positions, um, from what you've seen, and I know you're only, you know, four practices in to spring, but uh, wide receiver, any anyone standing out or anyone you're expecting a big year from at the receiver position? Because I know, uh, I think Parks is a good player. I like him a lot. And then I don't remember how to say the other kid's name, uh, Vele or Vili. Yeah. So uh, Devon Vele. Uh, Vele. Yeah. He 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 also flirted with the NFL draft. Uh, ultimately decided to come back. Uh, had had a had a breakout season last year. I, I don't have it in front of me. Something like fifty for like six hundred and twenty five yards and like six or eight TDs. Kid was really good. Um, the receiver position here is always a topic of conversation in terms of production and what they can do. And part of that is especially the last couple of years, like the tight end position here with Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid has been so prolific and rising is always looking to those guys as a security blanket that, you know, if you're throwing to Kincaid and you're throwing to Keithy, that there's only so many more balls to go around for the wide receiver position. So, you know, you, you know, you look at wide out it's valet uh, money parks. I think he's lined up for a, you know, a strong season. He, you know, he played pretty well down the stretch. The name that we keep hearing out of the wide act group, uh, a kid by the name uh, of Mikey Matthews, uh, you know, true freshman kind of like naturally fits in that slot position with what Utah tries to do. It was interesting last week we were talking to Kyle Whittingham and Kyle Whittingham kind of made a, kind of made a loose comparison of Mikey Matthews to, uh, to Britton Covey, who's obviously one of the more prolific, you know, pass catchers to ever come through here. So I thought, I thought that was interesting. Like when Kyle says things like that, which he almost never does, 
you know, you're kind of forced to listen and you're kind of forced to kind of pay more attention now to a kid like Mikey Matthews. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I don't watch every Utah game, but you know, the last two, three years where I've watched them four or five, six times a year, one thing that kind of always stood out to me is they're better than most teams kind of in the middle of the field, right? When you have a Dalton Kincaid, you know, you're going to be good there. And with him leaving, are they going to try to get a a different tight end to kind of fill that role or work the receivers in? And it sounds like they maybe have a kid in the slot who, who, who might be filling that role a little bit. It's a good question. I mean, you can't, you don't just replace Dalton Kincaid. Like he, he, he was prolific. He was their number one pass catcher before he got hurt towards the end of the year. So, so, you know, so what are we looking at here? You know, Brand Keithy is going to be a 60-year guy, uh, like Rising. You know, he he is nursing an ACL. They expect him to be ready probably like late spring. I don't think he's going to make spring practice, but the point is they, you know, they expect him to be ready by the time camp starts. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, a, a, just a big, hulking uh, Australian kid who had never played American football before he showed up here, you know, four or five years ago. Uh, he has kind of shown some flashes as like, a reliable pass catcher, but he's more so of like Keithy is a pass catcher. Yasmin is more of like a put my hand in the ground and like go hit somebody, but he can also catch the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are your two guys. Um, you know, they're experimenting with some position changes with a couple of guys that like haven't played tight end, but they think might be a fit. I would not be surprised if once spring ends and they kind of take stock of things, if they pull a guy in. They, if maybe they don't go like hit the port or looking for somebody, you know, uh, they like to do a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, before Kincaid got hurt, they were trotting out some 13 personnel. They did a lot of 13 personnel during the 21 season, during the first Rose Bowl. So uh, no matter how it shakes out, like there's going to be a lot of a lot of tight end play for sure. Okay. And then last one before we take our break here, uh, I, I'm asking all of our, our team-specific writers this question. So at the end of each season, we do our award show and we give out our South End Zone awards. And one of our awards is the Conor McGregor "Who the Fook Is That Guy" award, which goes to a, a player who enters the season with with no real name recognition or hype and has a great year and ends up kind of not necessarily household name, but like for instance, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee was our our winner this past season, right? So that type of player. So if I had to pick one guy from the 2023 Utah roster who is a potential candidate to be our Conor McGregor award winner next year. Who who do you think has a shot? Who the fuck is that guy? There's a there's a big, big local kid here by the name of Keith Olsen. Kind of an un, un, unheralded-ish offensive lineman. He wasn't he wasn't like a big dog recruit or anything. He, he wasn't some crazy four-star. I'm not even sure he was a three-star kid, but like that's a name that you keep hearing as somebody who is like playing and performing very well early in spring practice. So yeah, you know, Keith Olsen is the name off the top of my head that I, you know, that I would pay attention to. If again, if this Utah team is running the ball and Jaquindon Jackson is, you know, going for five, five and a half yards of carry off right end, it might be Keith Olsen like bursting that hole open. Yeah. Bonus points for naming an offensive lineman. For right. that category, we love it, man. Love it. Absolutely love, love it. that. So much. how many, how many starters up front are, are they planning on bringing back? I didn't even think to look that up. I believe off the top of my head, I believe, yeah, they've got three offensive linemen back, three starters back and a fourth might as well be a starter returning to. Okay. So that and plenty of experience and. Oh yeah. All, All right. right. Well, with that, I'm going to kick it to Jason for a quick uh, word from our sponsors at DraftKings, and then we'll be back talking more Utah football with Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. 
All right, guys, we know March Madness is underway. The action's just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bet if your team wins. And you can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays, odds, and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook every day to see what they have in store. Now, my Final Four bracket is still intact, shockingly. I had Bama, Houston, Kansas State, and Gonzaga in the top four. So hopefully it sticks around. Most people's brackets are busted, but hopefully yours is not yet. But if it is, you can still get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. And to do that, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TPPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, so check out our show notes for those details. Back to the South End Zone, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're talking with Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. We're talking Utah football. All right, so before we let you get out of here, Josh, real quick, we wanted to get your take because the hot topic uh, in the offseason with the Pac-12 is the new media deal. And obviously, we know USC and UCLA are off to the Big Ten in 2024. So what is the sentiment around Utah and some of the – Maybe Utah and a group of other schools might be headed to join the Big 12. Are they committed to staying in the Pac-12 and seeing how this new media deal you know, plays out before they make a decision? What's that looking like? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, as we sit here in late March, this whole thing has probably gone on a little longer than anybody would like. Mm-hmm. And that's from, you know, the administrators, right, the athletic directors, all the way down to the fans. This has been going on a long time. You know, my understanding is that, you know, yeah, the Pac-12 is, you know, is committed to staying together. They're, you know, they're tethered. They're like operating as one. Everybody's on the same page. But we're, you know, we're saying that without seeing what the TV deal looks like. Right. right. Let's see what the TV deal looks like. How many years, you know, what's the, you know, what's the dollar figure. But I do think ultimately it, you know, the the number is going to come in at a, you know, at a point where it's going to appease everybody at least for now, like if Oregon and Washington had somewhere to go, like if they, if they could go to the big 10, like they probably would have gone already. Like there is no offer. They, excuse me, they don't have anywhere to go. So everybody's going to get on board and, you know, again, we'll see what the number is, but in terms of like sentiment of, of Utah, uh, of USC and UCLA, UCLA leaving, I think from a Utah fan perspective, I think it's kind of like good riddance. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. like Utah and yeah. USC have this kind of like contentious rivalry, They've played some crazy football games in the distant past, going back to like 2013 and 2015. And just the way that like last year played out, right? They beat, you know, they beat USC twice, once here in Salt Lake City in this like epic fourth quarter comeback. And then, of course, they beat up USC in the Pac-12 championship game. So, you know, I think I think Utah fans are kind of over it and it's kind of good riddance, which, you know, I think the more rational, nuanced fan, believe you know, is understanding that it's a big loss like USC is a is a primetime major program in a big media market 
And those Utah-USC games, you know, through the last decade, they've been special. Like, objectively, they've played some awesome, like, down-to-the-wire games, and you're losing a football rival, and you're not going to make up that with, like, you know, SMU or San Diego State or whoever ultimately comes in here if the Pac-12 decides to expand. So, you know, the short answer is, like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm ready to be done talking and writing about, you know, the media deal. Hopefully it gets done here within the next couple of weeks. And we'll see if they decide to expand. You know, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see if they ultimately, you know, do decide to bring in, you know, a San Diego State and or um, SMU. Mm. All right. So do you Eric, think they're more likely to expand or have some teams leave? I don't 10? think anybody's leaving on this round. Now, look, this thing is all cyclical, right? So let's say I'm making this up. Let's say they sign a seven-year deal. If you sign for seven years... Right, then means, we're having this conversation again in 2029. Exactly. Yeah. We're yeah. doing this again in yeah. five years. So if it's six, we're doing this again in four. So and and to be clear, like we're going to do this again. But for now, I like I I think the number is going to appease everybody. I don't think Utah or Arizona or Colorado. I don't think anybody's going to the Big 12. Mm. Well, maybe enough people have Amazon.com that they can watch it. If that's who the leader <laughs> in the clubhouse happens to be, get your Amazon Prime now, Pac-12 fans. That's so. It. Uh, all right. Well, Josh, we very much appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and talk to us about some Utah football. Of course. And uh, we'll let you get out of here, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate, I appreciate it. appreciate it, Josh. All right. Newman, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Newman. Eric, major takeaways from uh, Josh's uh, comments on Utah. Anything? I know we didn't have much time to really you know, bang out a lot of detail there with him, but uh, – what were your some of your initial thoughts there on what he's talking about? Are you optimistic more or less after hearing some of that? Um, maybe a little more, I guess, because the the questions I had about Utah going in specifically, hey, who's going to take the snap week one against Florida if Cam Rising is not cleared and or able to play was obviously a big one. And um, I also was really kind of curious to see what they're going to do at the running back position, like we said, with the, the two guys coming back who you know, had had reasonable success in Tavian Thomas's place, and he's off to the NFL. So, you know, kind of the run game is in the defense are Utah's bread and butter, uh, particularly in, in that conference. And kind of the, the state of the program in that regard I, was really what I was looking to get some some info on. So I will yeah. be I will be optimistic about Utah again this fall, I think. Well, and I will be too, but Maybe a little less, and it's not because of any one reason aside. I mean, Cam Rising's ACL obviously will give anyone pause, but what I'm really looking at, kind of like what we talked about last week, you know, sort of like Alabama and how the SEC is getting better around them. Mm -hmm. Utah, I think, is in a very similar situation, at least for this year, you know, because USC and UCLA are still there. So you got USC and UCLA who obviously have improved uh, last year and are looking to be, you know, USC certainly is looking to be even better this year. And UCLA, you know, even though they lost DTR, probably won't be a slouch. Then you got Washington, Penix coming Mm -hmm. back, probably going to be better in Kalen DeBoer's, you know, second round. Same thing at Oregon State. You know, they don't look like they're getting any worse. Same thing with uh, Oregon. Oregon. Dan Lanning, you know, coming back for year two and Bo Nix is back for, you know, maybe home Bo Nix shows up like eight times this year instead of, instead of six. Dan Lanning will take it. 
<laughs> yeah. The more home bonics he gets, the the better. Yes, yeah, even so. Arizona State, uh, the more I kind of look at them, I think, hey, they could maybe make like a four or five win jump and not be a great team, but be. Well, well, but can't be, get much worse. Can't get much be respectable. Worse so, yeah, I do think the Pac-12 yeah. is getting better as a whole, which is good to see because I'm I'm tired of tired of talking shit about them all the time. It's nice to see them become a little more competitive and balanced and just better. <laughs> As far as the Pac-12 as a whole, Josh seemed a lot more optimistic about the future of the Pac-12 than I do. I feel like it's going to die, and sooner rather than later. I mean, am I my way off base there? Like, I mean, they're going to have to resort to Amazon for well. Their games. I, I mean, yeah, the, the the media the media rights deal. Who knows? I don't I'm, I don't know near enough about that. Other than you know, they're not. ESPN or Fox's first choice. Right? Those I mean, if they come out with some and, number like 12 or, you know, 18 million per season, are these schools going to want to stick around for that? Would you, or would you be calling on the big 12 saying, Hey, can you give us 25, 30 million a year? If they come out with some stupid number, I think it's just going to fall apart. Well, if they, if they come out with a stupid number that is significantly below other conferences like the big 12, they're not, I don't think they have, aspirations of getting a media deal like the pac 10 got or the big 10 got yeah no no no. i mean that's not that cheap but if it's something comparable to the big 12 then i think they'll be fine at least for the time being Uh, i think he brought up a good point about the term will matter because yeah they don't want to get stuck in an acc situation where hey you're locked into this this grant of rights deal for 12 years or whatever so like clemson and florida state hey maybe they're thinking they want to leave and go to the they're not you know they can't the meteorites deal, everything obviously hinges on that. I'm curious to see when that actually gets done, what it looks like, and that will probably determine whether they stand pat at 10 or maybe try to add schools. I know San Diego State, SMU, and maybe even Fresno have been talked about, but it... Fresno State makes really good sense to me. I mean, I know they don't want to add teams that are already in their current TV market. I get all that, but man, fucking Fresno State's got like That's a, a good team. A really like it's a good well, they've got a really good winning record against Pac-12 teams over the last several seasons. So it's like yeah. Well, so does San Diego State. San Diego State's yeah. San Diego State's like five and two or five and three against the Pac-12 the last three seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they'll. I think. They'll God forbid we. God forbid we sign people to our conference who are actually going to make geographical sense. I know. Well, that's all. That's a lost concept. I, I I keep hearing SMU, and I'm just like, gosh, you know. Dallas doesn't seem very Pacific. Like no. when I think of the Pacific. <laughs> no, it coast. really doesn't. You imagine Dallas, the women, yeah. the women's volleyball team having to get on an airplane and fly to fucking Washington to right. To play well, it's volleyball. same thing I said. You know, when USC and UCLA, but like, oh, well, now that's know, just gonna, yeah. Now that's a whole other level of stupid. That's taking the check, and we don't give a shit what it costs to it, right. fly our women's or, swimming team to Rutgers. Or how yeah. miserable. Right. It, it's going to be for <laughs> yeah. our athletes, you know, the women's right. basketball team to go fly to Rutgers or Maryland or whatever. I mean, it makes and, sense with Big Ten money, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, if you, it's $100 million a season, but if you're talking about SMU, who's probably making, I don't know what they're making on their current TV deal in their conference, but I mean, if the Pac-12 is not going to come with some kind of formidable number that's going to really make a difference, because it's not like SMU's broke. They're fucking Dallas. They're, they got money. So no, they'll be, yeah, they'll be fine. I, I think I, I don't think the number is going to come in high enough for them to appeal to a lot of teams. I mean, San Diego State is right there, and honestly, they're closer to a lot of Pac-12 schools than they are to most of their Mountain West, uh, you know, counterparts. So it wouldn't be a big drain on them to to 
switch that conference as far as travel costs. And we know that they can compete in that conference football wise. So, but really that's kind of that them and Fresno are the, are the ones that actually make sense. So my guess is they probably just stick at 10 for a little while. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. And speaking of the big 12, like we were talking about earlier next week, Eric, we're going to be talking about Oklahoma, man. We are six and uh, uh, just God, what a season last year. Very uncharacteristic down season for Oklahoma a year ago and Venable's first year. So yes, uh, we'll be, we'll be talking to Josh from Sooner Scoop and I, boy, I have some questions for him about (laughs) Oklahoma football and and what I saw this past season. uh, Well, you know, if, uh, my main and first question is just going to be, you know, can they teach anyone to tackle? Has, mm-hmm. has Venables taught anyone how to tackle yet? Because you're you're like three years running, you've you've led the country in missed tackles here. So we better we got to come up with something. But. Yeah, I was hoping for more, and I didn't get it because they were bad on defense. And so so we'll see. We'll dig into it with someone who knows more about them, you know, from a day to day basis than we do. All right. Well, uh, all of our listeners, we are on YouTube now. Woohoo! We are uh, going to be putting out some content on YouTube. You can find it at youtube.com slash South End Zone Pod. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod, Instagram as well. You can follow me at Jason Bailey47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we'll be back with you next week chatting up some Oklahoma football. So be sure to catch us then. Everybody stay safe, take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Have a great day.